I'm the doctor. I'm a time time. I'm from the planet Gallifrey, the constellation of Hesterbrush. Now I see a rise, a rise. Time and relative dimension in space. It means life. Greetings, humans, Daleks, Time Lords, and Sandmen. You are listening to Exterminating Doctor Who on Otter Radio. This is the show to take unpopular episodes of Doctor Who and debate whether they're really all that bad. With your hosts, Aidan Gula. And me, George Ellis. And in today's episode, we are talking about Series 9's Sleep No More. It took him a second. I suddenly forgot what episode we were talking about. (laughs) This is a um, Peter Capaldi episode. So this is your favourite Doctor. It is my favourite Doctor in a series that has grown on me over the years. Um, I think it's the most experimental series of Doctor Who. Yeah, what the... So... Why this, why is it, where, where's the sonic screwdriver? Oh, it was destroyed in episode one. Uh, Davros broke that's it. That's what I say to that. Uh, so he replaced it with sonic shades. Oh. I hated that originally, but I've kind of warmed to it. I really like it. I think it's like so 12th Doctor. Yeah. If Matt Smith went Sonic Shades, I'd go, oh, come on. Yeah, Even if David Tennant went Sonic Shades, I'd be like, come on. So I think David could go, well, David had the um, glass, the 3D, 3D glasses, glasses, which I do quite like. And he had a lot of, he has a machine that goes ding. Yes. But, um, yeah. I, this I, Doctor, I mean, this Doctor, this series literally starts, the first scene we see with this Doctor in this series is him riding a tank, playing guitar, in medieval England. I like that bit. And I abs- people hate that. No, do you want to know who hates that? <laughs> who? My mum. Really? Yeah. I genuinely love that moment because I just think, I mean, I like to think how much more Doctor Who can you get? Like if you, the Doctor. It's a Doctor when in a midlife crisis. It is. So yeah, this is a very experimental series. It had a crazy start. And Doctor Who just went, you know what? Let's get even more, ex- even more experimental. By Wacky. The- by the time episode nine of series nine just goes, we're going to throw throw out the Doctor Who structure entirely. Opening titles, who needs them? I, yeah, I miss those. It was a bit. It was a bit kind of jarring jumping straight into the episode. I think there's only two episodes that I can think of that don't have the opening titles. It's this one and Jodie Whittaker's first are the only two that don't have opening titles. Why doesn't Jodie Whittaker's first have an opening title? That seems like a way you want a good opening title. Yeah, that's exactly what I said. Like, it's just you just see. It's a bit on a train. When they're fighting this alien, and then the doctor the crashes through the ceiling, and then he just goes, and then that's it. No, ooey woo. No, it's just the no, no ooey woo. Oh, that's the best bit. Oh, no, no. And she goes, I was a white haired Scotsman half an hour ago. I quite like that line. Because that just sounds mental to anybody. Anyway, we're not talking about the woman who fell to earth. No. We're talking about Sleep No More. Another Mark Gatiss episode. We did a Mark Gates episode last week, and now we're doing another one. <laughs> last week. Mm-hmm. Definitely last week when yes. we're recording this. <laughs> no. Um, right. So, first impressions. Did you like it? Did you hate it? I... Well, is this your first time watching it? Yeah. Well, yes, probably. Yeah. Probably. That you properly. can think of. You probably... You might have I, seen I, it, I recognised but... elements, but I didn't watch it. I was just like, ugh, last yeah. time. So, well, what did you think then? That's the more pressing question. What was your first impression of this episode? I missed the opening. It, I liked it in general, 
but it kind of started off a little bit like I'm watching laser tag. You know what? When I was watching it yesterday, usually when we do these, I say I can just go off them on memory, but this one there's a few more. I still don't understand this episode, so I had to watch it again. I genuinely still have no idea what happened. I had to rewatch the ending twice because I was like, <laughs> okay, hit me again with it. So I thought I'll watch this one, but as I was watching, it does that thing when it selects the faces and then goes 474 and then it gives you all the information about them. I was like, am I about to play Laser Quest? That's yeah. exactly what I thought. It was just so cheesy. The, the outfit is... <sighs> one thing... I feel about a lot of recent Doctor Who, the production design is good, but I feel like it half the time it looks a bit cheap. Tell you what, I've actually written a point here, so we might as well go straight in with production design. I, have oh, a, okay, I actually lovely. have a dedicated bullet point lovely. to it. In that, Michael Pickwode is the production designer of the Capaldi era and some of the uh, Matt Smith era. Mm-hmm. He's dead now, unfortunately, but um, okay. he designed the second Matt Smith TARDIS and the Capaldi TARDIS. I think he did some absolutely incredible sets for Doctor Who and Mm. some of the stuff he created. But there are a lot of alien ships, I guess you can say, in the Capaldi era that do look the same. And they all have this same sort of grainy wall texture that just Mm. looks a bit fake. This episode, I don't think, suffers Quite I think the ship it. looks realistic in a way. I think it's mainly the problem comes from the fact the costumes look very. They don't look very cool. And no, the I soldiers don't I... look like soldiers to me. They just look like actors in playing Laser Quest. Yeah, I do think the ship design in this one is actually quite good. It really looks like. I mean, some people could say this is a bad thing, but there's an episode in the next series called Oxygen, and these ships look really similar, and I quite like that because it's sort of makes it feel like there are these sort of flat packs. The Doctor even says in an episode, I can't think which episode it is, but he says these are made out of flat packs. It's uh, Matt, uh, David Tennant. He says it in The Impossible Planet with Yude. Oh! Rose says all these alien spaceships look the same. And he goes, yeah, they're made out of flat packs. Wow. God, <laughs> so, um, How dare you reference David Tennant and me not? <laughs> That's... I know. Yeah, so I do quite like the way that there are these similar ships that you can get, you can just imagine they're made from the same distributor or something. But then sometimes they're all it Apple does hinder it. But this one, I think it it looks good. Well, it's all it's it's because I like that you never really see you never see a corridor or something and go, oh, you've just been up that corridor. It, no, which they is do feel separate. And then even the way they've put those Japanese elements throughout the place that gives it a bit of a distinct theme. So like mm. rather than just a generic silver corridor with. LED lights up it. They've just suddenly gone. Here's some Japanese writing and here's some Japanese face thing, and you're just like, oh, don't really see that in these spaceships before. It's kind of cool. Can't really put my. It just does feel a little bit, you know. Yeah, yeah. It, but the laser laser quest thing, I do definitely feel. That's the problem with any sort of found footage thing. Is it's you can't do any kind of lighting effects really. You can't add many lights. You can't kind of mess with the film grain and all that kind of stuff because the whole point is it meant it's meant to be from certain points of view so you're restricted to whatever it's coming from so if it's coming from their eyes it has to be what we see it can't really be messed with if it's coming from a tv from a um security camera they can mess with it and i think it looked great when it was through the security cameras well we'll get onto that later but there were no security cameras that's well, the really yeah. interesting point yes but, but we'll you discuss know I mean. that later all of that aside did you enjoy it did you get to the end of it and think that was quite good or do you just think Nuff. the ending actually saved it for me 
Really? Yeah. Oh, made it better for me. And you mentioned that it didn't. It made it slightly worse for you. When this episode first aired, I did genuinely like it. I got to the end. <laughs> no idea what just happened, but I enjoyed what I watched. Mm. Um, over time, as I've seen people's reactions to it, my love has dipped slightly. Going, oh yeah, that, that is a valid flaw. That is a valid flaw. But every time I watch it, it sort of piques my interest again. Yeah. So it's, it's like when I'm not watching it, I go, oh, that wasn't very good, was it? Then I watch it again and go, hold on. I do actually like this one. Yes, and I, I do. Know, I know what you mean. I was quite surprised when I watched this yesterday. I was pleasantly surprised. I thought I was going to watch because I'm put. I was watching it with a notepad, making notes, looking for things that are wrong with it. I just sit there and eat a subway. Yeah, sure. But More professional, I, I say. But actually, looking at my notepad, it's mainly just plus points. Look, can you see that? Very few <laughs> me- negatives. Did you hear that, everyone? He said, "Can you see that?" I'm not blind. Well, I was t- <laughs> well I'm a few feet away <sighs> from you. Shall we? we- We've had some strange monsters on this podcast so far. You know, we've gone from the Absorbalof to the Mighty Daleks and then now zombies made out of sleep from your eye. I, it sounds ridiculous. That's the, I'd say the main problem. Okay, these monsters, these monsters. Um, Good idea in theory. But the problem is they come from the sleep dust. That's the whole idea of them. And that sounds in itself dumb. It yeah. could be, like, they're scary, though. They're quite well done. I think if you just... The thing is, they have to be sleep dust, or or otherwise they're just general zombies, you know? Yeah. So I think the act, the way they're done and the way they're kind of scary and how if you how they kind of take over you and that kind of thing, that's quite interesting. But it's because it's literally just sleep yeah, dust. Yeah, I know what you mean. I it's do... It's dumb. I mean, the... Costumes look a bit cheap, admittedly, but um, I do actually think the way that, you know, if you go into these Morpheus pods for too long, it will literally send science-y reasons into your sleep and your eye, then that will take over your body. I do like that concept. Mm. It's just as soon as you say, it's made from the sleep in your eye. It completely ruins it in a weird way. It goes, what? It's like a lot of people call them the um, sleep bogey monsters, I think, like, or boot or... What do they call them in America? Boogers. Boogers. Um, Oh, I thought you meant like boogie monster. No, I meant like literal bogeys up your nose. (laughs) So people call them that. But I do... The the long mouth is really creepy. Mm. The fact that they're blind as well and they're still hunting down the crew. I like that. I do like these monsters. They're they're so... It's just like you said, when you say the concept Mm. to somebody, they're made out of sleep from your eye. You just go... It just sounds so cheesy. Yeah. But it's they're in the, the whole idea behind them is interesting. It's um it is it, yeah. All in all, I like the monsters, but the the thing is, I can't think of a solution to them. Like what no, other I stuff do you no. create? I can't. I mean, it's Doctor Who is known for making other it. than sorry, other than your skin going completely dry and crusting up, that kind of stuff. I yeah, can't I guess really. So. I think it's just, I was going to say, like, Doctor Who is known for making everyday objects scary. Mm. Statues, silence, well, statues always shadows, bubble wrap. Um, there's loads of things Doctor Who just takes and just goes, here's a new thing for you. Mm-hmm. And this one, they just went, sleep from your eyes. It's, And I do quite like that. Yeah, it's no. just like, what, what, what's next on the list? What are they going to take next? But all in all, I like the... Sleep. What are they called? Sleep men. Sleep. Well, they call. They just called the Sandmen. Sand I do men. like. I do like. Do you know in the first episode we did when you were talking about how 
the absorbable off was named by the characters and you said that's stupid that mm-hmm. species should have its own name i did like that they literally addressed that in this episode when the doctor, um, yeah, yeah. clara says um sandmen and the doctor goes whoa 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 whoa, whoa. Um, you don't do the naming thing i do the naming thing <laughs> yeah. i did actually i was watching this going actually that's like they're responding to george's complaint for mm-hmm. episode one there but it is the doctor and clara doing that and not, naming. and not just the crew or something yeah i don't know it kind of sits better with me when it's i did quite like there was actually a few things that i thought um these are coming straight for you in this episode for a start Ow. well i mean the you're a theater kid and there was a macbeth reference i, oh, I love that even the whole title sleep no more comes from macbeth uh-huh. so on my notes here i was like george would like that i did actually and then, um, even do you remember the first film we made what was the song you kept singing to me on set besides do you like pina coladas it was mr sandman it was it? mr sandman oh, wow. so when mr sandman started playing this episode i went george would like that <laughs> I, the, the song creeps me out though talk about mr sandman and the sleep machines i do genuinely really like this concept it's it's, it's, it's one of those mm. things during i watched it first time oh it's a thing that stops you from sleeping is when you get a bit older you sort of appreciate the thematics behind anyway. it a bit more it's my secret <laughs> and i do quite like how insidious this is it's mm. like a real good satire on capitalism in the it's very like what's the one thing that separates humans from robots in a working environment we can sleep mm-hmm. and we have to sleep more than yeah. anything so the morpheus machine goes no you don't you can have get you can have a month's worth of sleep in five minutes and work, 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 work. I like how it says work, work, work. It doesn't say live or stay up or just kind of do more. It says work, yeah. which is a perfect epitome of what the reasoning for the Morpheus being made is. Yeah, I do really like It's a really nice... You know, people complain that Doctor Who can be really political and bloody Everything's hell. political, though. But it's like... This is, this is Doctor Who doing political right... Mm. And not like the dreadful 13th Doctor episode, Orphan 55, which is just terrible all the way through. Then in the final, final moments when the Doctor is facing the camera and going, we need to fix climate change, guys. I was like, oh, that's not how you do political messaging. Ah. That's not subtext. That's not, you know, messaging. That's I want to read between the lines. I don't yes. want to have the lines read out to me. Down, like, into your eyes. Like, uh-huh. it's literally facing the camera. But, yeah, this is... A case where Doctor Who has done political and it works because it is it's like just a part of the plot it's the reason why I suppose the episode's even happening for a start you know if it was just a normal rescue mission if it was just a normal, normal if it was a normal rescue mission that laser quest crew would just go in get Rasmussen and clear off but then the whole Doctor's involvement and everything comes from those machines and I I like it. I really like the reason why the Morpheus machines exist. And it's and it's and you relate to that because if you, ha- I bet everyone's thought, oh, what would it be like if I didn't have to sleep? I mean, it'd be great. I like sleep, but I hate being tired. So, <laughs> if I could get a month's worth of sleep done in five minutes, I would. I don't know if I would. And I, that's another thing about the episode. Not everyone does it. It's not like this whole accepted. This is what we do. There are people who don't believe in it, and that's yeah. interesting. It's. 
the entire concept is well developed and the characters, the way they react to that concept is well done. The fact that characters look like actors who have never held a rifle in their life and the my point being they've never shot that. Yes, yes. They only shoot that thing like twice in the last two minutes, those guns. I loved your snap that you sent me and it was why didn't... I assume it was about the grunt mm. when <laughs> they're faced with a corridor full of sand men holding a gun. Mm-hmm. Instead of shooting them, they pick up the gun and charge at them. Yeah. I was like... What are you doing? I, I thought... Are you an idiot? You've got a gun. Shoot them. It, the amount of times they were cornered and they were thinking, oh, what, what do I do if only I had a weapon to fight these creatures? And I'm like, you're holding... A futuristic gun. I mean, just just try it, maybe. Yeah. You haven't even... Like, okay, I get... Okay, here's an idea. Solution. You try shooting the gun. Gun don't work on him. Now you're trapped. But instead of just standing there thinking, I'm not going to try this because there's an off chance it might not work. Yeah, that, like, was, that was stupid, yeah. to be fair. Right, I think the found footage in this actually fixes a lot of the problems with found footage stuff because... This was done in, what, 2015? There was a lot of found footage coming out at that time, mm. like really oversaturated. But this was something I thought that took all the common problems of found footage and applied reasons for them. So, like, a lot of a lot of things, you watch, not everything, but some found footage things, you go, who is editing this? It tells you who edited I mean, it. He's, some a, things he's you go, a good editor, to be fair. <laughs> some things you go, why are they editing this? You find out why they're editing it. And then... Even some things in found footage really annoy me. Do you remember like the action's really going? And you think, why are you still filming this? Put the camera down. Especially with somebody holding a literal yeah. camera. Like, you're going to die. Put the camera down. This one literally explains it like, they don't realise they're filming mm. it. They're, they're, they can't turn those cameras off. That whole element of there not being any cameras, damn good. It's a good twist. Mm. And I think my favourite part of that twist is the fact we... One of my favorite things about this entire episode, we never, ever see it through the Doctor's eyes. I know they explain that, yeah, but that is such an that's so important because we, by not seeing it through his eyes, we can never fully relate to him, and that shows that we it, it's a it's the embodiment of that. Oh, that's a really deep interpretation. I like that. We that, that, that I, I I love that we see it through Clara's eyes. Because that's kind of what the companion is. It's the way the audience can kind of jump onto Doctor Who. Yeah. But we never, ever see from the Doctor's eyes and we'll never fully be able to understand it from his eyes, his point of view. We can't, we can't ever understand it. No matter what we see him go through, we will never be able to f- ever understand and empathise fully. Yeah. That's because a he's bloody good so point. Much. Thank you very much. That was my... wasn't even on my notes, that. Very, nope. very meta point, that was. I, I, that's, I do really like that. A, because as well as the found, it's a really interesting way to direct it as well. And watching it, thinking about, oh, we can never have this from the Doctor's perspe- perspective. And let's see if you notice it. Even Chopra, you don't see it from his perspective either. No. And then later on, you realise why in that, well, it's the sleep in people's eyes that is transmitting what they can see. Hence why the sleep sandmen are blind. That's a good twist. I like that. Mm. It's, very, it's, a, it's, it's a nice one. And I love that. I love that shot, you know, when Clara looks at the Doctor while it's being projected on the screen and you just get like 50 Doctors all. Do you know it does that effect? Yes. It's like a pointing a camera at its own screen. I think that's a really cool way of doing it. I really like the found footage, how it's made in this episode, because it's very easy to get it wrong. And this episode, I think... Because I, found footage is just so 
We've seen more examples, as you've just as you've said, of it done badly. So it's just you ex- you go into expecting it to be done badly. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. when it's done right, you it's go, nice. oh, that was yeah. that was a nice twist. To build on that meta point, I'll come up with something slightly less impressive, but still um, still to do with the Doctor. I think a lot of people complain about the way the Twelfth Doctor is characterised across his oh, series. Dresses. I is this is this outfit with a black jumper. Don't you dare. And the hoodie is Don't my favourite outfit no. of all Doctors. No. This is my favourite one. N- no. Uh-uh. I absolutely How love it. Because it's like this Doctor's just like, I don't care. I'm just going to put on what I want. And so, the outfits he wears in Series 10 are even more mental. I love... I, For everyone at home, I'm just staring at him right now. It's better than a skinny suit that you'd see, hey! that you'd see the average you? businessman no, no, wear. No, no, no. Listen, David Tennant's suits are perfect. Thank you very much. Yeah, they're too human. <laughs> How right? So the suits are too human, but the I say and that the... I say that, but then my dress sense is literally Capaldi's t-shirt outfits. That's uh-huh. literally what I wear. To be, I I like those outfits, but I I don't know about the Doctor. They feel it just feels a little bit too. The fact is, okay, I can let it slide. I can let it slide because he is a good. He does it well. He plays it well. Well, the Twelfth Doctor, when he was first introduced, was described as one hundred percent Rebel Time Lord. And I think the dress sense just proves that. Like it's embodies that, yeah. Yeah. The way he's character the point I was gonna say was about there's a joke that people say that you could have a multi doctor episode with the twelfth doctor from series eight, nine and ten, because it's complete He to me it's a character arc. He develops across those three series, but to some people, nitpickers, I will add, say that it's a different doctor. He's very, very grumpy in series eight. Series 9, he just goes completely off the rails. And then Series 10, he becomes like a wise old professor. But that's basically the stages of depression in a weird way. Yeah, and you I really think... that, that, that <laughs> You described that and my brain went, that seems perfectly logical. It is, it is perfectly logical to me, especially in that this is an incarnation of the Doctor that shouldn't happen unless it just ignore the timeless child for now because that's utter... I don't even know about the timeless child, so I can ignore that quite comfortably. Yes, I'm going to ignore the timeless child because that is utter... <laughs> so I will just say that the Twelfth Doctor shouldn't have happened. Like, the Eleventh Doctor was his final incarnation. He was ready to die on Trenzalore, but then he regenerated. And Series 8 is the Doctor going, why am I here? I should not be here. And it's essentially him just like going, Mm. I didn't anticipate this regeneration for 2,000 years. I've been expecting to die on this reincarnation, but here I am. Still kicking. Series 9 is him going, okay, I'm still alive. Let's make the most out of it. Let's play guitar on a tank. Let's just let's do anything I want. Screw it, eh? And then series 10 is he's lost Clara. He hides out in a university. And he just goes, I'll be a wise old professor. I'll retire from the adventuring life, but I will use my knowledge for mm-hmm. something the interesting. The production lost money, so we got to <laughs> rein it in a bit. So I do like, but the way he's characterized in this one really feels like that. It reminds me of the Time Lord Victorious moment in Waters of Mars in some respects, in that the way that he knows all of time and everything that's happened, and the way he's just talking about the 38th century and just like, oh yeah, this tectonic shift happened, and every they make they grow armies now, and he's like describing mm. describing like the state of Earth, and it's, but he's just brushing it off. He's just like, oh yeah, that's just it's, what happens. It's, it's minuscule for him. It's kind of like for like with us, we live in this current time period. So anything that happens now is huge, but to him. It's a second in his life. So yeah. it's like, eh. And I love that, that he is, this just feels like he's just going, oh yeah, 38th century. 
Mm. Oh, yeah, what do I know about that? And Clara's like, wait, 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 wait. what happened? You, what, what? He's like, oh, yeah, whatever. Mm. I do really like that about the Doctor in this episode. But I, I, really... I love how you can sometimes see the Doctor's hatred towards men. Not men. I mean man, as in... So what kind of feminist, I met... <laughs> radical feminist incarnation is this? The human race, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. The way he... um, You see that sometimes, and it's quite interesting, because it's like, yes, he'll save us, but we're not good. Yeah. And when she mentions how we... how When Clara was like, they grow people, and she's like, that's disgusting, and the doctor's just... Welcome he to just the 30th century. Yeah, he's just... just like, yeah, this is what you people do now that's what i meant you people not yeah <laughs> i really like the way clara and the doctor introduced in this episode that they just basically just wander up corridor and the laser quest crew are just like what the hell who are these and they're just talking about uh restaurants and stuff mm. i really like that because like, really it's not a feels... space restaurant it's just a restaurant yeah. <laughs> i really it really feels like this is just them on an average day and we just happen to bump into them today i really like that I do think that really works this episode. Yeah, Clara, nice. again, companion I despised when she was on Doctor Who. I feel like she, she isn't a bit much, though. It, 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 yeah. Like, how many seasons? She did three. Series is... She did, did three. Three. Only three. Okay, that's fine. Then. Well, it just two, felt like Two more. and a half, technically. Yeah, don't know why it felt like more. Why does it feel like more? Am I going mad? Maybe because it's across two Doctors. I don't know. Yeah, but Chris Ferguson's across two Doctors. I don't know. Okay, I can, that, I'm fine then. It just felt like more. So after we did the last episode, I thought, what don't people actually like about Mark Gatiss? So I was looking into it a bit more and basically... Oh, his hair. <laughs> Is that just a list of... I don't <laughs> listen. I don't like his feet. They're too big. No, we love Mark Gatiss here. Yeah. But people say that generally he tends to make the average episodes, like the skippable episodes of a series. This one is him being ambitious. And I really like that. Sleep No More was actually intended to be the first part of a sequel he would do a sequel to it in the next series but because of the poor reaction similar to victory of the daleks they just went nah and left it alone and never came back to it so series 10 episode was empress of mars but that was should have been sleep no more two i guess so sleep even more <laughs> rocker by baby so that's why i think the episode has a vi- right my biggest point my personal biggest problem with this episode is the sudden ending like I get to the end of it. I still don't really understand what happens. But it's not an infection. Basically, the whole point is that the Morpheus machine does something with your brain, and then you're going to be turned. But I mean, like in the in the ending sense, it just sort of goes. The doctor goes bye bye and just leaves, and I'm sort of like, what is that? It? Do we not get anything after that? Yeah, no, because they don't blow up the ship, or do they blow up the ship? No, they don't do anything. They literally just he Rasmussen sends out the signal. And then turns into dust, and the Doctor and Clara Which get Which is it. proper creepy. That, yeah, that, that's a really that good effect. is so well There's done. There's a bunch of stuff we were saying feels a bit cheap in this episode. The monsters' costumes feel a bit cheap. Do you know the way when Clara gets into the Morpheus machine, while the Doctor's looking at her, then it closes, and he just goes, "Oh, Clara's in the machine." Yeah. What? What, what was that <laughs> bit? The way, right? The way it's like, okay, let's have a look at this machine. What? What was that? The, it's turning your levels down. That's all. Listen, I'm just getting excited. Right. <laughs> So the way he, she, right, so they're just, right, they're just opening the machine. They're just having to look around. For half a second, turns around, and it's like, oh, no, it's closing, and she's trapped in there. I'm like, I think how did she, that... right, she got, right, and they, <laughs> they do this whole, oh, she got pulled in, she got all, no, she jumped in there, thank you very much. That, uh, what? Well, it's, it looks like that, because, like I said about it feeling cheap, 
is that I think they just couldn't be bothered to animate the wires pulling her into the machine. Because mm. that's what happens. She opens it up and wires pull her in. That's the idea. But because we don't see them, just like she hops in. we just see her get in. And then she's lying there with all these wires attached to her face. She goes, oh, they pulled me in. And it's like, well, we didn't yeah, see that. So that's where it feels... Don't trust that. That's where it feels a little cheap. But then I think the special effects budget all went on Rasmus turning to dust at the end of the episode. Probably. Do you know, that's, I think that's where it all went. But that is a really cool effect. The point about the ending is that it is literally he turns to dust while the Doctor and Clara do just get in the TARDIS and leave. And that is how the episode ends. Something Stephen Moffat has said about this episode is, well, the Doctor doesn't always have to win. Fair point. I know, but he but just... we like to see him win. Or try to win. <laughs> you, you can say he doesn't have to win, but he's got to at least try. But what Capaldi has said about this episode is, well, we don't see him win. And that's slightly different, because what Moffat implies is that the Doctor just left and went for Morpheus. I might come around to that one day. Capaldi in se- in essentially says that, oh, no, he did. He went away and dealt with it afterwards. We just don't see that. Because you, we're not following them, we're might, following... That's that's good. Yeah, and that's the thing. Some people say, well, that's dumb. We want to see him leave. But this is Rasmussen collecting the footage. Why would he show... We're watching an in-universe piece. We're not watching Doctor Who. No. We are in Doctor Who watching this clip. Why would Rasmussen... I keep calling him Rasmus. And I remember there's a son at the end of it. There's a Rasmussen... No, I was about to say, I know a Rasmus, so I keep... Oh, it's getting confusing now. Right. Rasmussen, and not Rasmus, who I know, Rasmussen is showing us the footage. Why would he show us him, him getting defeated? Why would you do that? You wouldn't. I think So a nice little extra episode, straight after, showing the Doctor winning would have been quite nice. Well, that's what I assume Sleep No More 2 would have been about. No, but would it have been... But we never see it. It wouldn't have been straight after. No, but it'd leave you... Well, it's a weird thing, because actually, up until this point in Series 9, every episode has been a two-parter. So there was the Dalek two-parter, there was the Under the Lake two-parter, then the Ashilda two-parter, and the Zygon two-parter, and then that was it. And then Sleep No More is standalone, and the next one is Face the Raven, standalone. Then the last two is sort of a two-parter, but not really. This could have really benefited, benefited from the two-parter treatment. Mm. But then again, would we want... I suppose the two part, the second part wouldn't be found footage. If it is, that would have been a bad idea. Yeah. Because it would have been... We would have got tired of it, bored of it. Yeah. And also, again, we want to see Rasmussen get defeated. So he isn't going to show us him getting defeated because that's just stupid. Why would you do that? So even though the ending is a bit like... Oh, is that it? So for people that don't know sort of behind the scenes, things like that, I think it's. I like those behind bit... the scenes things because they add more. But the problem is, we've said this with the Absorbaloff thing, you can't use them to excuse the episode. No. Because the episode has to be made in such a way that it's self contained and then they is a complete story. Yeah. Because otherwise, you get stuff like this. So, in a sense, you have got a behind the scenes aspect and you have got an in universe story. Yeah, behind the scenes aspect of watching it is going, okay, I know this has a sudden ending because they never did the second part that never happened so that's your behind the scenes knowledge for making an excuse like you said but then your in universe one is the one about well Rasmussen wouldn't show us get defeated yeah. so actually the doctor just leaving and then making it look like Morpheus has reigned supreme when actually probably Doctor and Clara went from this straight away to I don't know Morpheus home distribution center and blew it up or something um I do actually genuinely like Rasmussen as a character not just what the- is his idea though 
Can you? Can I say my His point? His entire premise is... <laughs> but, right, I'm going to say my point before you come on to that. Thank you very much. Um, not just is he played by Reese Shearsmith, you know, League of Gentlemen and Inside Number 9 gang gang, but he really feels like a classic mad scientist. Mm -hmm. Like the way that he's like... Um, Oh, I made these sandmen, and how are they going to... They're better than us. They're... How are they? Well, I just like the way that he's sort of like, he's made these things by accident, and gone, I'm going to bring them life. Mark Gatiss is a big, big, big horror fan. But he, he did these horror documentaries years ago, and I can see a lot of what he was talking about in those documentaries in this episode in two areas. For a start, Rasmussen, on this point, is Frankenstein. He's... Dr. Frankenstein. He creates life and then essentially goes, it's alive! And then one just wants to let it loose into the world. That's This is literally a Frankenstein plot. I know, but Frankenstein, you, you actually made the creature. This is a complete accident. Stumbled yeah, on Well, that. I suppose so, and but he, he still he's made all like, it. Oh, he's all like, oh, look at these creatures. They're better than humans and the originals. They're not, for one, because they're blind <laughs> and a bit dumb. So, oh, I, how are they better? Give me one reason why they're better. Go. Is it because they don't need to sleep? Because his whole point was... Right, then, then these are better than a dinosaur. A human spend a third of their lives sleeping, so I suppose these creatures... From his perspective... Okay, I'm going to make an excuse here for this. They are... I guess they're just mindless workers from his perspective because they don't, they don't need to sleep. They stick them in a factory. They can make toothbrushes or something. They just need to, you know, just slave away doing this thing for hours Did you see on toothbrushes? end. Well, I said factory and my mind went to What's the Charlie one thing Bucket's... we need the most? The I thought of Charlie Bucket's dad in um, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory in wow. the Tim Burton one when he's screwing the lids on toothpaste. <laughs> That's what I was thinking of. Wow. I don't know why. Why does my mind, when I say factory, instead of thinking of big chunky machines or something, my, Ooh, mind, chocolate. my mind goes to... Toothpaste. Mm. <laughs> With okay, here's a question. That would be my. That would what I'd say. Rasmussen is the crazy mad scientist Frankenstein man. But is goes, Rasmussen still there? And then he goes, "I've made." Is Rasmussen still there? There's a question. I because well, at the end it does the whole. Oh, he's never really, like it does the whole. I'm actually sleep monster. Well, in this scene where the gravity shields fail, and you see a sleep monster approach him, he disappears at that point. Oh. So I would say that he dusts then and then just reappears somewhere else. From I think he is a sleep monster. He's just more advanced. Does that make sense? So he wants the sleep so monsters can... to be his version rather than these primitive versions. If he wants that, I can maybe I understand so, his mentality. But I'd also say that even the primitive ones are just like, going back to that capitalism thing, he's just like, I've made the ultimate worker mm. and I could... He's probably thinking, I could make loads off this. <laughs> like the grunts, you grow them for war. He could say, I grow workers. Come to, Work. Mor come to Morpheus. Bum, 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 And I'll give you some Sandman. Oh, that's, that was damn impressive. Props to that one. Wow. Um, yeah, okay, I could maybe... That would be my in-universe explanation. It's a bit... Um, it's making excuses. It's but <laughs> How many times have we seen this idea, though? And it doesn't... I feel like that idea of the mad scientists wanting to create their perfect vision of something and they, wanted, they want it to spread across the universe, that's been done to death. 
I know, but I've been say, done an alien for Pete's sake. I think so, but this is, I think this is a slightly more unique. With the way in the, the context of the whole infection. sleep monsters and found footage, I was going to say with the way the infections it, transported, yeah. not through actual beings like touch or whatever through the little trigger in the brain. That's quite interesting. How the monsters are in you all, all along. Ooh. Yeah. So. Yeah, no, it's been done before and it's been done since, but it is a nice little take on the idea. Yeah, I like that some people of the... I always say this, we were saying this in episode one, I always say some people, this is just general internet folk. I know, my so. mum mom always says, whenever I say people, she's like, what people? What people are you talking about? Yeah. And I'm like, no, internet people, yeah. I don't know them. So, comment sections, things like that, yeah. YouTube videos, that's what I'm talking about. Some people say that the first line of the episode is when Rasmus, Rasmussen appears on the screen and his first line is don't watch this and a lot of people go okay and just turn it off <laughs> i do find that quite funny oh there's a thing if right is bright spark idea this little thing in the video is going to send you do lally yeah yeah why doesn't he just put that at the start why isn't it like a 30 second youtube ad roll where he just goes you're mad why does he need to do the full thing Cooked and ready to rumble. I suppose so, but maybe in the 38th century, they've still got YouTube and he's got like a really cheesy thumbnail of him like putting a thumb up and there's all these emojis around yeah. his head and he's just like... Uh, they just watch. cut out the drop a like. <laughs> and don't forget to subscribe. The name of the video is just don't watch this. So everybody goes, ooh, what's this? Big red circles. It. Okay, so this whole episode, who directs it? Do we know? Um, is it anyone who's directed any in the past? I don't know the name. I did look when I watched it and it wasn't a name that I recognised. Okay, um, the characters are well... Right, from a shot perspective, the problem with point-of-view shots is they can get quite boring. problem with point-of-view shots is it's very samey. You see the same shot again from just slightly different angles, different points of view. Way, But, um... I'll see what he did there. Thank you very much. It was very restrictive. And the way... I feel like there was they did a, little, a clever little workaround in this episode with the shots being from the sand, dust, from different yeah. angles, which is nice. So you get, like, the obviously the, the fake... Security cameras, which aren't actually from security cameras, all that kind of stuff, which is nice. But the problem is, when you look through those, you get a CCTV footage effect. Yeah. When you look through normal people, you've got to have the normal effect. I've mentioned this. So it really is very... It's, it's, it's nice because it, it, um, it's good for lazy writing, which means they can skip out some key plot points. But it's really tough on a director, unless a director enjoys the stuff, which... Um, Do you not think that it's done slightly differently in this one though in that i think there is, is only like you said there, there are some with it with it being the point of view shots there are some there are some very good ideas about that the fact that we don't see from the doctor's point of view that's really very but even good. down to like you're saying about it limits what you can see something you see a lot with found footage say we watched it um chronicle. Last, last year yeah chronicle it's one person filming well, the so way you that only see it from one person's perspective. The with way this that one, film at does least it, it changes it. No, but I think Chronicle does it better because the way Chronicle does it is it starts off as a found footage, but as the character develops his powers, the camera can now fly. It can do different shots. It expands, and as the film progresses, we eventually get to the point where it's basically just a normal film because his power, as his powers grow, the shots grow, the type of film it is changes. Okay, it's and it's an. I, I, Combating nice my there. point there, but it's it? I very... just think it changes it because I think I've seen a lot where it's somebody just holding camera and you think put the camera down. Yes, but this one it's actually 
It's different. It's, no, it, it cuts, is. It's so not. It it's, keeps your attention. It is different, but I still think it limits it, and I think it's part of a reason why this episode can like the a, a key example of how it limits it. No intro, no ending. If we didn't have it being found footage, maybe it'd be a better rounded episode. Some of the writing have may have a bit of a just... flow. Yeah, well. Well. Listen, I've just used one of your points here, and you're trying to bat your own point. <laughs> But um, I just think it kind of limits it a little bit. It's well done. I will say that. It's well done. But maybe you could I have done a bit more if it that's, weren't. I think that's a point. I think it's well done. But the actual concept of found footage itself yes, is, limited. is limiting. So this, I think, does the best it can. But you still go, Yes, footage. the entire idea around it means the found footage thing has to happen. So I can, you know, you have yeah. to, it's, a, it's good. It's very good. But maybe. That's, an, that's, that's a good point as well. It's like, because it gives you the excuse of, well, this is the sleep that is transmitting the visual signal. It does give you reason why. How many things, how many fan footage things have you watched? You go, why are they filming this? I know. This actually gives you a reason why it's being filmed. Yes. Or some films, it does get to point you think. I love a good in-universe explanation for something. Yeah. That's what this episode's great at. In-universe meta explanations. Yeah. I really like that. The director, I've Googled it, is Justin Malotnikov, who only directed one other episode of Doctor Who, and it was after this one, so oh, that's gotcha. why I don't so recognise the yeah. name. Um, another thing from a directing standpoint, characterization. I'd say the yes. two right there were I'd say there were two characters in this which were incredibly well characterized and they um they come across very well done, but that may just be because of the actors. Um, do you want to take a gander at who they might be? The Doctor and Clara, or maybe the Doctor and Rasmus? No, it was Grunt and um, the TARDIS. The way that... <laughs> no, it was... I, um... I've put a very similar point down on my notes. It does say, characters, very one-dimensional. But I'd, I've put... Actually, the point actually... Obviously, it's written in note form, so it doesn't make quite... It doesn't make full Is sense, it but it just In Grunt says, language. Besides the grunt, characters are a little one-dimensional. Rasmus called, though. That's what I've written. <laughs> I think the grunt actually has a bit more of background, although I, they I, irritate I, me a right, bit. This is At least say. we've got something about them. Whereas when I was literally watching it, I was looking at the team when they first appear in that Laser Quest segment. I was looking at them going, I remember that grunt. Who are these other people? Are they, have they I, always I, been I this was, I, was I was literally munching going. a sandwich when <laughs> those bits came up. I was just, I was halfway through a sausage and I was just going, nom, 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 nom. I was nom, literally nom. looking at them going, have they always been in this episode? I do not recognize these characters They did all whatsoever. those little intros, but I didn't care for them. Because like, I was like, I, I'm not here for you. I'm, I'm not here for them. I'm not. Yeah. Why are you watching Doctor Who? Really? For aliens and... Monsters and chases up corridors from... The Doctor in his cool hoodie saying witty lines. Exactly. You're usually watching Doctor Who for the Doctor. The side characters are very important, but the Doctor is the key part. And the, I think the Doctor is very well characterised in this. I've said the um, the way the shots work is it really adds depth to his character. And Peter Capaldi is a damn good actor. So he's, yes. he and he knows the character. So he needs direction. But I but when it comes to like when it comes to directing actors, some need a little bit more help. Some don't. It's just, it's, it varies. But when you're playing this character for so long, you just know what you're doing, you know? You might need a little bit of a nudge here and there sometimes, but really, you know what you're doing. And same with Clara, I'd say. So those two are damn well done. And that's just, I'd say that might be because of the directing, but probably it's more just because of them. Now, when we get to the rest of the characters, ooh, they're very forgettable. 
And I yes. don't like that in Doctor Who. I, I don't like it when they're forgettable characters. And that's a shame because you, we do get that quite often, I think. It does also prove the way that we've re been referring to them in this episode is that, although I keep getting his name wrong, I remember Rasmussen because he's quite a good character in it. We remember the Grunt because that's only I really... remember the Grunt because I don't like the Grunt. Yes, but also because there is a distinguishing character character trait about yes. them so there is something to dislike different. and the only other one i remember is chopra and that is the one who refuses i know i know which one you're talking about i couldn't give you his name though yeah i think it's chopra it's something like that anyway but that's the, the, one the other who, person who doesn't that's the one who it. refuses to use the morpheus yes the other two the general for what are they sake. called why is the general so i mean there's a nice little moment between the doctor and her where there's like why are you in charge i'm the doc i'm in i'm just in charge right yeah and it's just that's a nice little element but i, I like that that's the line isn't it when it's um what authority do you have and he just goes i'm in charge yeah <laughs> <laughs> just like i am deal with it get over it <laughs> i like that but why do you like that bit tell me is it because there's maybe is it because the general's saying the lines or is it because no it's it's a very doctor that's a proper Doctor commands. Yes. So a very important part about the Doctor's personality for me is the way the Doctor commands a room. It's a really... Uh, that, that, and that's in every incarnation. I love but that. It's something, it's something that's become really important to me recently because the 13th Doctor cannot command a room at all. There's so many scenes that she's in, I forget she's in them because mm. she just disappears into the background. That's not the Doctor for me. It's quite nice to have the Doctor... Because the Doctor's so old... He gives off that air of... Yeah, but it's also like the second Doctor, for example. Okay, well, let's just go on a little sidetrack here. We, this is a little these side... These are our best bits. These are a little side quest here, just for me to get into something that's really important to me about the Doctor. The second Doctor is an example of this. He is a character who does disappear into the background quite a lot. A uh, really good episode that I like is an episode called The Moon Base, which is Cybermen on a moon base. And... There are many scenes in that when you sort of forget the Doctor is there. He's in the background, but he's just working out what the plot is. So they know something's going wrong, but the Doctor's there going, hmm. Does he, when, as soon as he knows what's happening, does This he... is what I'm getting yeah. to. He spends a lot of the episode going, I'm just going to sit back and let... I'm just going to watch this because I think I know what's happening. Right. And by Keep the... your point in mind, bear with. That reminds me of... There's a David Tennant episode... Where he, where basically that same thing. I completely forget where it is, but he shows up. He's following along, and as soon as something hits the fan, he takes up. That's exactly. That's the difference because about the doctor commanding a room. So like this line here, it's like, who, what authority do you have? I'm in charge. The Capaldi's doctor, David Tennant does it a lot as well. No, you've just said it. It's Time a different point there. For sake, come but on. a lot of Matt Smith did it as well. These doctors just come in and go, "Yep, I'm in charge. Listen to me." Now that's what they're doctors. The second doctor. In the moon base, this is the example I've got. He will just disappear. He's in the background working out what's happening. As soon as he works out it's Cybermen, that's it. The Doctor's in charge. Everybody else has no authority. Everybody on that base is under the Doctor's command. He is in charge. That's so Doctor. The difference with the 13th Doctor is, is she's constantly in that state of, I'm going to work out what's happening. Then when she does work out what's happening, she just goes... And then it's over. <laughs> and I'm like... There's no, you don't, you don't spend enough time yeah. seeing her... Being the leader. Exactly. There's not... Capaldi had a few moments in Flatline, for example. Do you remember that? Did you see that one? It's the one episode where the, doc, the TARDIS shrinks and he's trapped inside. Yes, I've seen that one. Really good episode. He's trapped in... It's essentially a Doctor Light, actually, because Capaldi had other filming commitments. But as soon as the TARDIS gets to big size, it, the door flies open, the Doctor stands up, gets out, and he goes, I'm the Doctor, and I... Oh, what is his line? 
It's something like you have... Come here, just beat someone it's up. It's something... I can't think exactly, but it is something like you're the monsters, I'm the Doctor, I'm the man who stops the monsters. That's it. As soon as he enters, Doctor Who is here. You've got to, you've got to shut up now because he's here. Jodie Whittaker's never had a moment mm. like that. Capaldi was really good at speeches. His when, doctor had loads of speeches. She's just never had a when Capaldi, I am the doctor. When Matt, when Capaldi, Smith, I, I do was, when Peter Capaldi, Matt Smith, or David Tennant show up, even and Chris Ferguson for, for um for that matter, when they show up, you get a feeling of right. Yeah, I'm saved. These guys are going to do something cool, and even if they can't save you, they're going to do everything with their within their power to do something. Like in um, what is it? The Waters of Mars? Yeah. You have that whole Time Lord Victorious bit, which is amazing. I love that bit. And it's like, oh. And then you have um the one on the t- Titanic in space. Voyage of the Damned with yeah, the, yeah. I'm the Doctor, I'm 900 years old. Blah, 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 blah. I'm from the planet Gallifrey in yeah. the constellation of Castorbrus. Yeah. All that. Literally in our intro for the podcast. Oh, yes. I, I know, I know. <laughs> and that is... I Those moments... For the hero, or just the protagonist in a way, is so integral to the Doctor. And I love that feeling of, right, this Doctor, even when he doesn't know what's going on, as soon as he knows, as soon as they know what's going on, boom, you're saved, they're going to do something. It's such a comforting feeling, and it's such a nice, it's, it's just, it's so Doctor Who. And from what you're telling me, the fact that's missing. It is, it's really. Jodie's kind of. Yeah. Um, episodes is such a shame because that's so Doctor and that is I feel like from what I've heard from Jodie Whittaker's era it's very different and the problem with and they're trying to be different and the problem with being different is that a lot of people it's it's got to be the same it's the same character that's but maybe in different situations but you can't have the character be so wildly different that you're seeing the actor that's the problem. That is that's that is a big problem with the current era, and it's you know I've said before, I'm not a fan of Chibnall's writing or his characterization. Even the episodes he did before taking over showrunner were my least favorite of those series. Give me series. some examples. Yeah, forty two, the one with this sun people on David Tennant. That's he probably wrote, one of the worst ones. He David wrote that one. He wrote dinosaurs on a spaceship. He did um, the Power of Three, which is the one with Matt Smith episode. Where all the cubes appear all over Earth. It's actually really really good. Up until the ending. You know when you said that, my brain just went to, here come the drums, here come the drums, and just went to the big spheres. No, that's spheres. something baby, they did. That's a baby, Russell T. Davis baby. one. Um, I love that. I can't think of what else he wrote. They're the only three that come into mind. Well, you've named three episodes. He has, ri- yeah. he has written others, but I can't think what they are. Yeah, I didn't like his episodes. My, my choice for showrunner, after when Stephen Moffat announced he was leaving, was Toby Whithouse. Toby Whithouse wrote, off the top of my head, he did School Reunion. He did Under the Lake Before the Flood. He did... Um, school Reunion, One with K9 and the... Yes, hold on, I'm going to Google what? this. Perfect. Uh, yeah, School Reunion, Under the Lake Before the Flood. The other ones he did were The Vampires of Venice with Matt Smith. I've seen that one. The God Complex, which is Matt Smith in that hotel. Have you seen that one with the Minotaur? Yes, actually. Really good episode, that one is. A Town Called Mercy, which is a bit so-so, but that's another Matt Smith one. That is the Western one with the I've seen that one Terminator well. gunslinger thing. Jonah Hex, basically. Yeah, and then the last one he did was The Lie of the Land, which is a Capaldi one, which actually I really like, but not many people do. It was part of a thing called the Monk Trilogy, which is about these monks that take over Earth, and it's actually... With the cut-off heads or whatever? Were they the ones? No. 
But this was my choice for show. If I had to pick the showrunner, Toby Whithouse is who I would have chosen. Not Chibnall, who wrote Dinosaurs on a Spaceship in 42. Do you mean? I know Chibnall was the showrunner of Torchwood. That was all. It was Russell Davis's idea, but Chibnall did that. And then Chibnall did Broadchurch as well. I know he has these good writing credits, but his Doctor Who credits weren't good. No. I just, I can't remember how he got to this point. I just wish Whithouse was showrunner. I really do. You never know. Maybe next series. Well, well that's if it doesn't get axed. <laughs> what would we do if Doctor Who gets axed? That'd be quite the... I don't know. I mean, it's been renewed up to series 15. We know we're getting series 15. What series are we on now? 14? It's 13 next. Okay, 13 next. Okay, so we've got time. And... And there's a bunch of... Uh, we'll go into, like, rumours and theories here if you want, but... There is a rumour going around at the moment, quite nice to address it on a Doctor Who podcast, that the BBC don't like Whitaker or Chibnall and they want to get rid of them. Because the rumour is, whether it's got any grounding is debatable, but the rumour is fan reaction to Doctor Who is the poorest it's ever been. At the moment, well, I'm, Doctor Who fan reaction has never been I would lower. dabble in episodes of other Doctor Who. I, I, I dabble in um, Matt Smith's. Kind of came away. Dabble come back. I always, I do. Um, Peter Capaldi, I would. I, I, I've seen some of his episodes. I haven't seen all of them, obviously, because I've never watched them like straight through, but I have. Um, Jodie Whittaker's era, I haven't seen any at all. Yeah. Because all I've heard is that it's not good. And all I've seen from trailers is that it's not good. Mm. That's the thing. It's, I don't think there's any ground. To be honest, I don't think there's any grounding in this rumour. But, but what, okay, was... what are the viewer, what are the numbers like for the viewer numbers? The lowest in Doctor Who history. So there's the... Even the, cla- even the classic series in 1989 when it was axed were higher viewing figures than it is now. And I know there's streaming and things like that. Yeah. But the Doctor Who... You watch Doctor Who weekly. That's what you do. Doc- yeah, exactly. The Doctor Who fan base is loyal. And this this still includes consolidated figures with mm. people who watch an iPlayer or things like that. I mean, you bring, back, you bring in a Doctor that... Okay. Who... I don't know if they should fully get rid of Whitaker yet. I think they should maybe change the writer for a well, series and give I her some time to shine, maybe. All new Who Doctors, besides from Eccleston, have had three series each. Mm. This is going to be Joe, uh, Whitaker's third series. She's already on a third. This I'm is her third already. Not. But because of coronavirus, it's down to only eight episodes. Oh, wow. It used to be 13 with Eccleston... Tennant and Smith. It was down to 12 for Capaldi. It was down to 10 for Whitaker, and now it's down to 8. So we've lost 5 episodes from the original run. That doesn't give her much to do. Wiggle room. I just think... Maybe. Really, I want... To be honest, because I'm not a fan of this era, I do want her gone at the end of this just series. Just a brand new kind of rejig. Just to start again. Any preference on who you want to take over? Any ideas? I have actors I would want to see as the Doctor. Who's your biggest go? My biggest is actually a fairly unknown actor called Edward Blumhouse. I love a, listen. I love a good unknown actor for this kind of thing. Yeah, I love when you cast a new Batman, a new Bond, for example. I love a good unknown actor who can just thrive in the role. Yeah, my biggest choice for I've two that I think would really do well. Edward Blumhouse from Sex Education, I think, would be a really good Doctor. He had like a few scenes in Sex Education, but I was watching it going. Which one? Who is he again? He's Maeve's brother. Yeah. I think I know what you're talking about. He was in the scene. Do you remember when he's in the shop and he's trying to s- scam them for the dress? What's his name again? Edward Blumel. 
It's a scene where he's in a shop, trying to scam the workers for a dress, and the way he was flailing his arms around and commanding the room, I watched it and went, Hello, Doctor. I think he'd be a really good choice. My second choice is Jeremy Irons' son, Max Irons. Yeah, there he is. There's Edward Blumel. Oh, you look good. That's my biggest choice for Doctor. Jeremy Irons' son. Well, Jem- Max Jeremy Irons. Irons is a fantastic actor, so is Max yeah. Irons anything Max like him? Max Irons is very good. I saw him in a series called Tutankhamun, and he was very, very good. And again, Lovely. I watched... <gasps> Imagine Travis Fimmel as the Doctor. No idea who that is. Uh, right. Okay. This is for probably people I know. It's right. Travis Fimmel. Perfect. Let me just say this. So Vikings, it's a TV show on which I've watched. My, my folks have watched it as well. He plays Ragnar Lothbrok. He is such a unique actor with such a unique kind of facial expression and all that. Australian. I don't care. He's lost it. He has to be a I British don't care. actor. No, I don't <laughs> care. I don't care. Have him in it. He is... He, right. I say every time I see him, he's got such a smiley face. It's such a unique... He's such a unique actor. He would be damn perfect for this kind of role. I promise you... He would be. And he's not American, Australian, okay? So Australian could kind of work. It could, yeah. it could. The fans would not respond to that. You have to have a British actor. Well, the fans need to get over themselves. <laughs> Listen, he would be damn perfect. But we're running out of time here. So, so fixers. I'd say, really, there's only one. To be honest, I could think of only one blaring. Well, you could have developed the character, the side characters more. Give them more character give them a personality for a start yes get rid of their laser quest costumes maybe yeah okay what i do kind of grit up the costumes so they're a little bit more give them better better weapons better weapon we've got to give them better weapons or at least have them use the weapons but even then have them use them once and they don't work solved um better characterization on the actors or just kind of have less of the actors so you've got less people to worry about and then you know them more that's a simple fix instead of having 20 people have 10 you will then know those 10 people better than you'll know any of the yeah, 20 yeah. Um, and with and maybe just add if I could wish for anything an extra episode where the doctor saves the day or as soon as they go in the TARDIS you're now seeing a little bit of an ex- of a proper doctor episode 5 or 10 minutes of him saving the day that's it my only thing that I'd change, the big blaring thing that I would change is give it an ending, essentially. Yeah. Because the problem with, even though Series 9 was full of two-parters, why didn't this get the one? If you're going to give it, if, you, if you're going to keep it in this series, give it a second part. If not, if it is this plan that you might do a se- sequel in the next series, or if you come back for any more, you have to make the first part work because you don't know you're going to come back and do that second one. And Gatiss didn't. Yeah, as he I've went, said, it's he did, gotta be, he did the Ice Warriors next. It's gotta be so a, we still need it to be the complete piece and have an ending. And it doesn't have that. And like I said, I still, I think I get it. But still the ending, I still scratch my head a little makes, after finishing it. I think it. I, can, I can suss out like what happened. Yeah. But it's still a little bit kind of like, ugh. It's a I bit think I, know. I think I know, but it has taken me, what, five years and various rewatches to actually get yeah. to this point. I had to rewatch the ending twice just to kind of I, I turned on subtitles a second time to just read what was happening. Yeah. <laughs> but that brings us to the end. Yeah. Hope Join us next this. week as we approach our Christmas special. We've got our schedule planned out now. We have. Ooh. So what, are, what is the next episode going to be about? The next episode. I'm very excited. Controversial on next week. The End of Time. Ooh. Part one and two. Yeah. David Tennant's final story. Now you might be thinking, I thought this was a really good episode. Well, it might be. But that second part completely falls apart. Well, no. 
a lot of people think that second part falls apart. It's well, tell you what, it's an episode I used to love since seeing the floors. It has fallen in my it fell forward. That's a good English, isn't it? It this fell is, in my estimation. Do I cry at the end of oh, the second same. part? Same, but right. no. But yes, join us next week for the end of time and the week after. What is the best Christmas special? Uh, yes, which is the end of time. <laughs> wow. Right. No, but thank you for listening, everyone. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. See ya.